come on, mate, sort your shit out. Right, that's being kept in. Hello and welcome to the Perth to Paisley podcast. As you can hear, I'm being abused at the start of this episode, but I am Daniel McIver, joined ever by the bully that is Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. Yeah, just just wanting the best for the pod, that's all. I see. Yourself? I see. I'm, I'm very well, especially off the back of the weekend of football we had. So yes, we're back. It's episode 24. We have a lot to discuss today, such as Queen of the South game, Celtic preview, contracts and all that good stuff. So, we will start with the game that was at the weekend. It was Hart and Midlothian going up against Queen of the South, a fixture that a lot of people put quite a lot of importance on, despite the fact we do have an upcoming Scottish Cup final to play against Celtic. However... The league is the priority for a lot of people, and as we spoke about last week, it is a very, very, or it was a very, very important game. Um, Hearts then ran out as very, very convincing winners. And before we get into the analysis of the game, which we definitely will do, Adam, I just wanted to pose this to you because I believe that was our best performance since Robbie Nielsen has returned to the club. I am. Um, I, I would partly agree. Um, I think also. I think also the the Dundee game was was fantastic. Obviously, with their comments and whatever, obviously them at the centre of the reason why we are a championship club um, in the summer. Um, the Hibs game was obviously fantastic. Obviously, competing with a, a side that are perceived to obviously be in a, a higher division, but certainly the the Queen of the South win at the weekend was was definitely up there. Yeah, it was great. So, went into the team and the lineups came out. There was a couple of changes in the form of... Well, Berra actually kept his place, which is a discussion that we're going to get onto later ahead of this weekend. However, Naismith did very well and Jamie Walker did very well against Morton, so they kept their places. A.D. White started um, in front of Kingsley in what was kind of the 4-3-3 that we saw against Morton as well. What did you think of the team when you first saw it? And then by the end of the game, did you expect that 11 to get that convincing a result? Um, do you know what? I, I probably didn't expect all that convincing a result. Um, I think the 11, upon first glance, I think there was a couple sort of noteworthy absentees. Um, but certainly looking at the bench, obviously you had Peter Haring on there, who I firmly believe has been kept for, for Sunday. Um, Craig Whiten on there Josh Ginelli of course which was fantastic to see him back and Andy Halliday obviously I think I was kind of anticipating that Haring and Halliday would get minutes towards the end of the match um, to kind of embed them into the 11 for for Sunday Um, but the 11 that was selected I think I I wasn't anticipating a lot of change to be honest and I think yeah, certainly I was content with the 11. I mean, that, that 11 should be beating Queen of the South at home. Um, but I, I certainly wasn't convincing... I, I certainly wasn't believing that it would be as convincing a scoreline. Definitely not. Well, there were so many goals, we're just going to have to get straight away into them. So the first goal came after 20 minutes. Uh, Ollie Lee, previous to that, had a chance where he headed just over. Jamie Walker had a couple of attempts that went over the bar. However... A.D. White did incredibly well to drive into the box and put pressure on the Queen of the South right-back, who cleared, however not convincingly. 
they kind of kept the ball a wee bit. Then the centre half for Queen of the South, instead of taking a touch out, took a touch inside to the pitch, which allowed Ollie Lee to stick his head over to Stephen Naismith. And Naismith then scores probably what will be goal of the season. He just takes it on the half volley, edge of the box, fires in from about 20 yards. What did you make of the first goal? Oh, it's an absolute worldie, isn't it? I mean, we've spoken at length about some of the crackers that we scored this season. I think Stephen Naismith's strike is is certainly up there. I don't want to take anything away from the goal because it is such a sweet strike, but I couldn't help but feel watching it again, as I have done many a time, um, that Queens don't particularly help themselves. I think at the start of the game, I thought they'd done really well initially to kind of limit us to shots from range. They were kind of the only real opportunities. Obviously, you mentioned that Ollie Lee header aside um, from us obviously making the breakthrough. But why? I think it's... Is it Nordy Nordy? Um, yes. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't help but bring up that video. Um, but he has the best name of all time. He does. It, it certainly... His, his footballing ability didn't match. Um, I don't know why he looks... It's almost like he looks to play it backwards towards a teammate. And... Mm-hmm. It just it seems so easy for us to intercept. Fair enough, they're not anticipating the strike, but I thought that Queen's hadn't started that badly. But to chuck it away like that was, was pretty unforgivable. But it is a superb strike from Stephen Naismith. So, so pleased to see that fly in. And it's one of those satisfying ones where you can't help but just watch it over and over. I mean, I wonder how many times Naismith himself has watched it. Yeah, especially you heard Andy Irving kind of voice the opinion of every single Hearts fan as you just hear him clear as they go fucking hell Nisi <laughs> um, I certainly wasn't anticipating that strike it, it's not even it's a decent sort of range but the angle that he hits it from as well is just mm-hmm. such a bizarre position but it's one of them I think it's I mean I, I couldn't kick my own arse but it's one of them that as soon as the player hits it they know that it's hitting the target at least, and it's an absolute worldie from Nisi. Absolutely. Well, we go from an absolute worldie to one of the most inconceivable misses you're ever going to see as a pretty nice passenger play, actually. Ends up at Liam Boyce in the box, who goes for a shot, but is kind of saved. And Ollie Lee has, no exaggeration, the entire goal to aim for two yards out. And Adam, how does he miss? Oh, I was hoping you could tell me, honestly. See, as as young Hearts fans, even in the time that we've watched the Jambos, which hasn't been long, we've been blessed with some absolute rubbish, and that miss has got to be up there for one of the worst I have ever seen. He's, I think he's trying to dink it into the far corner. But like you say, with the keeper positioned how he's positioned, it shouldn't matter what he does. I could not believe that he'd missed it, and... Even at that stage, that early stage, obviously the, the scoreline turned out the way that it did. But watching it live, that that miss, to make it 2-0, then it seems routine as though it's going to be you know a, a barrel load. But they're still in the game at 1-0. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and it's one of them where you watch it and you think please don't let that come back to bite us. And it very nearly did, given their miss kind of later on. The the Lee sitter is sort of acceptable now. I think had Queen's 
immediately pegged us back, we'd be ruining it. But thankfully, we've gone on to win the game. We were let off with A, his sitter, and B, the fact that they didn't immediately equalise. Well, I actually felt quite bad for Oli because we'll get to this at the end of the game, but I thought he was arguably man of the match. And I just felt that kind of tainted his performance a wee bit because he did miss that. However, as if to make amends, right on half-time, the 45th minute plus one, because we won't call it the 46th due to what happened in a few minutes, um, a really, really nice passage of play. Almost a goal of the season in a different way to Naismith because there was something like 21 passes involved in the build-up which eventually does end up with Ollie Lee on the far side, puts the ball on a plate for Liam Boyce, who calmly heads it past the goalkeeper. Adam, it's 2-0 going into half-time. Yeah, and I, I thought that Queen's actually created very little that first half. Um, to be honest, I, I think off the back of it, the opening 45, I don't know if, whether we were really good or they were really poor. I'd imagine it's a bit of both. Um mm-hmm. I can obviously see why they narrowly avoided relegation due to kind of Partick Thistle's injustice because it was Queens that were above them in that playoff place, right? Yep, it was with three points in hand, three points ahead, but with a game more played. And uh, but I mean, they they really are a, a shocking football team. I I don't want to be too disrespectful, but they're really really bad. I think they will do well to stay in the division on that showing for me. But on to Liam Boyce. Um, like you say, fa- fantastic cross in from Ollie Lee, and I'm chuffed for for Liam Boyce. I've, I think we've, you've always backed him, but I've kind of wanted more from him given his goal scoring exploits elsewhere, uh, and I'm delighted that he's obviously managed to grab that first goal from open play, and it's a great header. And at that point, I really do think it is game over because they've really troubled. Definitely, and then as fast as you almost possibly can the second half kicks off they for some reason just punt it forward Michael Smith plays a ball in to the kind of middle of the park and little Aidan White I refuse to call him Aidy White because Aidy White's the rubbish left back Aidan White is this fantastic new left winger that we've got suddenly just drives like he does all the time now where he's like I'm not very good technically but I can run so he just runs and runs and runs and very clearly shoots. He very clearly shoots. But it starts going wide and then out of nowhere, Liam Boyce just runs, slides in. 15 seconds after the restart, the game is dead and buried at 3-0. I, I cannot remember us starting a second half so so menacingly. I mean, the, the close of the first half was great. But obviously the opening of the second is even better. And now obviously that's three from open play for Liam Boyce this season. Five in total with two penalties, I think. And obviously mm-hmm. the two from open play came in this game. I was then wondering when the hat-trick comes because it seemed inevitable at that stage. And you mentioned um, Aidan White. Um, I was going to say Thank that you. we've obviously both ridiculed A.D. White, as most Jambos have, but... I think Liam Boyce's second is all on Aidan White. I'm interested to hear you say that you thought it was a shot. I I really don't know, um, but I feel as it's though... so clearly a shot. He just he doesn't know. look at Boyce at all. He's just looking at the goal, going, "I'm hitting this." <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe need to watch that back, but um, 
I I feel he's actually much better offensively than defensively. And I know that Robbie's talked about bringing in another winger, but at the minute, I'm kind of looking at the line. I don't look at the lineup with dread as much if I see him starting on the left. It's one of them where I'm not content, but I'm not overly against it. I mean, are you sort of in that same mould? I thought he was pretty poor in the first half. He made me burst out laughing twice, which shouldn't really be happening on the football pitch. The first time was when he did almost identical to the goal, where he got the ball, drove, and then kind of forgot who he was and was like, I can just skin this six foot four defender, and just didn't, and just immediately got tackled. And then the worst time where he just passed out a play from four yards, and I was just like, what? What is this? But then, as you say, second half in particular, it was really good. And I do agree. Like, I, I worry when he's our left back. But he had that performance against uh, Queen of the South. At our broth, he changed the game. He won the penalty for Hibs. It's definitely been his most prevalent time at, at the club. No, I, of course. And I think there'll always be that argument, won't there, that it's obviously second tier and that he should be you know outshining these these types of players but he's obviously made a mark in the Hibs game like you touched on so maybe there is more to come from Eddie White who knows we will see however it wasn't all plain sailing for the Jambos as Craig Halkett gives away a bit of a silly free kick relatively on the near the edge of the box and I am not kidding as it happened I said out loud I really really hope we don't concede this game I'll be disappointed if we concede. Because at that point, I didn't think we'd continue pushing as far. I thought we'd kind of sit in and take the 3-0. So I was like, 3-1 doesn't sound as good. And then a ball gets played in, and their centre-half just goes in between Berrett and Kingsley, and with a very cool finish, makes it 3-1. Yeah, and I, I too would have loved a clean sheet heading into the weekend. But the fact that we've conceded, and the misses from Lee, and obviously we'll talk about Liam Boyce's uh, later on, mm. They're kind of the only negatives I think that we can take. Um, the goal we could see does disappoint. Um, Halk is obviously frustrated, like you say, but I think it's actually a really good delivery from uh, yeah. Rhys McCabe, I think it was. I think we touched on him last week. Um, and it, it, Listen, let's not kid ourselves. It's a simple finish for the big centre-half, but I was interested to kind of gather your thoughts on this because you're obviously the, the defensive expert on the podcast. I was... Yep. I was going to ask you, is is there more that you feel as though we could have done there? I think both... When you watch it back, Kingsley is screaming at Berra to watch off his shoulder. However, when you look at the line, Berra has a man, and it's the man in front, and it's actually technically, you could put blame also at Smith, because Smith is at the other end of the line, not marking anybody, which means everyone else in that line has to step up one, and oh, then right, I see means... what you're saying. And then leaving the gap at the back step. Yeah. yeah. So Kingsley's caught in two minds because he has his guy that he's meant to be marking, but he can see that there's a gap. And I think Reese McCabe takes a free kick fast enough that they can't have the discussion to work out who it is. So it's definitely very, very sloppy to give away. But I think it's more a combined effort of the organisation wasn't great. And as you say, it's just a fantastic ball in. Yeah, and listen, it's like I say, it it was one of the few negatives I think from the performance, and it's, I mean, you you or I could have scored that, but mm. other than that, 
I mean, it's there's no point dwelling on it. You know, obviously now it's done, and end of the day we've scored six. So what does it really matter? Absolutely, and well, the kind of comeback potentially for Queen of the South did not last long, as four minutes later, a nice wee passage of play on the far left hand side ends up at Liam Boyce, who calmly slots it to Jamie Walker just on the edge of the box. And it, as I mentioned earlier, he tried it several times, hitting from the edge of the box. And it hadn't really come off for him. However, the goal scorer for Queen of the South actually steps up and kind of misjudges the ball. So it perfectly lands at the feet of Walker, who smashes it to make it 4-1. Jamie Walker is now two goals away from the 50 club. Yeah, I was I was just gonna just gonna say exactly that. It's it's fantastic. I mean, three goals in two games now for, for Jamie Walker, and it's another fantastic strike. And I think watching the game, given a couple sort of wayward opportunities that he'd had earlier on, I felt as though it had sort of been coming. Would you would you go along with that? Yeah, definitely. He looked lively. I was getting a wee bit annoyed, annoyed at him that he just kept hitting from angles where that he had options. However, I was also happy that he was confident enough to take them on and I was delighted with the fact that he actually did manage to get on the score sheet. Absolutely. And then, the most shocking moment of the entire game, I sent out a tweet that got a wee bit of traction because, Adam, Queen of the South are so bad that Elliot Freer scored his first goal for the club against them. Listen, it's, I mean, it's not... Obviously, Elliot Freer scored it. It's not really his goal, is it? I mean, if I, if I thought A.D. White made Liam Boyce's goal, then it was nice for Boyce to do similar or even better for Elliot Freer. I mean... He weaves in and out of Queen's defenders like it's some sort of slalom, and it's an absolute gift. Um, but because he, he literally, Boyce literally left Gregor Buchanan on the deck. He then makes his centre back partner, the boy that scored big, big Obelai, is it? Yeah. And I mean, had Elliot Freer not scored that after Ollie Lee's miss, and then <laughs> Liam Boyce's later miss, I mean, I don't mean to exaggerate. But I think we could have been looking at double figures minimum. I mean, I, I'm watching the highlights back. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, bloody hell, it's like 15 minutes worth. And I'm thinking, hold on, we've scored six. Probably could have scored about 15. It's just it's just one of those things. But obviously, I'm, I'm delighted that, well, at least I hope that we've not used all our goals up for the weekend coming. I don't want to be too negative on him because he did score. But Elliot Freed looked dreadful when he came on. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I'd go along with that. But then he scored. I know I know it's a gift. I'm not going to kid on like it's not a gift. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, great, fantastic. Well done, mate. Well done. Well, well, not only did he score, he nearly had an incredible substitution appearance as he almost got an assist after an absolutely fantastic ball from Andy Halliday split the entire of the Queen's team apart as he just plays it over the top. Elliot Freer has to tap it down and Liam Boyce misses a chance that makes Ollie Lee must be sat on the bench going, right, that's me absolved of my sins. That's worse. Adam, that was worse. I think I would go as far as to say that Ollie Lee was the most relieved man in the capital <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night. Um, 
Andy Halliday's ball. I mean, I, I compared him to, to Frank Lampard the other week. That pass was <laughs> Steven Gerrard-esque. Um, but yeah, How's he not... going to be Paul Scholes in the final? <laughs> It'd probably be Michael Carrick or somebody. I don't know. Um, hey, Michael Carrick was a fantastic utility player who is not revered enough. There you go. This is this is my point. I, I was a big fan of Michael Carrick's. But anyway, um, as much as I was delighted that Liam Boyce obviously bagged his brace... And the fact that neither of them were from the spot, how he didn't round off his performance by grabbing a deserved hat trick, I will never know. I mean, Elliot Freer looks to obviously return the favour, but the miss is an absolute <laughs> shocker. Um, but ultimately, I I won't care a jot if he slots away the winner, and I'm hoping that that's what he's saving himself for. Fingers crossed that that's the case, that he can replicate your uh, football manager exploits. My favourite part of the miss is that because of the highlights and there's no crowd, you can hear what the players are saying. He misses and you hear Halliday turn and just go, what the fuck? How? <laughs> even, even when I'm watching the highlights back and Jimmy Sanderson's on co-coms with Laurie and he's, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think it's one of them where everybody's just looking on in total awe that we've not made it. I think then it would have been six, but dearie, dearie me. Well, thankfully, Hearts weren't finished the goal scoring as one of the main positives of the weekend was that it saw the return of Josh Janelli and this time Halliday got to get something for his fantastic work as he played a relatively simple pass to Ginelli, who simply saw that the defenders and midfielders at this point were standing off on maybe half a yard and he goes, I've got a chance here and from roughly 30 yards out, drills it, very similar to his goal against Dunferman actually eh, Dundee, sorry, and slots it in at the bottom left-hand corner. Adam Janelli just looked like he hadn't missed a game. No, I know, and obviously he's he's really featured. I think they they are both. Obviously, that was his first game since since they are both game at, at Gayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like like you say, I mean, I don't know whether Alan Johnston's done any research on us because, <laughs> like you touched on with his Dundee goal, they give him space from range and he hits a worldie. And yet, he does exactly the same. I cannot believe just how deep Queens were in sitting off him at this point. I mean, I know the game's done at 5-1 down. But really, with a player of his calibre, giving him that much space, I thought was absolutely criminal. And it's another fantastic goal. I mean, this game, it's as though it was kind of like a carbon copy of Dundee. And some of the, go- I mean, we've scored some absolute worldies, and certainly there's contenders for goal of the season in this game, like there was then, and in various other matches. I mean, we we just seem to be scoring some some really great goals, and it's fantastic to see. Long may it continue. Absolutely, and I think as I said there, Ginelli just didn't look like he's missed a beat. His overall game was great. It was just what we'd come to expect from him in the short time we have seen him. Whenever he got the ball, he just took a touch forward and just skinned his man. I don't think there was a single time where he tried it and it didn't pay off. Now, I know we were playing Queen of the South and this weekend we are playing Celtic, 
but you have to think that's what he'll be aiming to do on that massive pitch. Totally. And I think I think a key part of it for me is the fact that we've not rushed him back. I don't know whether we've kind of looked at the fixtures and gone, well, we don't we shouldn't really need Josh Ginelli as as badly as I think some of the fans have perceived us to. And we've taken our time, we've not rushed him back as though it's a he must play just ease them in and that I couldn't have been more happy to see I think he got half an hour on Saturday didn't he came on a bit yeah, the hour mark him, him and Freer both came on on the hour yeah so I think that's the perfect time scale just to bring him back up to speed and even then like you say he didn't look off the boil at all it was it was fantastic and here's hoping that he can carry some of that through to Hamden and obviously try and get the better of what should be a semi-vulnerable Celtic defence. Absolutely. So that did round out the scoring and it finished 6-1. A couple of wee points before we move on to the next topic. The main thing is that it almost couldn't have been a better day for Hearts in both terms of the game itself and the wider league because Dunfermline, very surprisingly, got their first loss of the season against managerless Morton. Yeah, couldn't believe that coming through at, at East End as well. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I think I think we were both anticipating that it would be kind of routine against Queens. I mean, this is a side that we've now gone twenty games unbeaten against. Our last loss, I I was doing some research for obviously my my radio work on Saturday, um, mm-hmm. and our last loss was in the nineteen sixty three sixty four season. So my dad's never seen Hearts lose to Queen of the South. Our record's that good, but. I also said, funnily enough, that in the 2014-15 season, our last league meetings with Queen's, the two matches at Tynecastle brought an aggregate scoreline of 6-1 to Hearts. So maybe I should have seen the signs. So the fact that we've obviously been able to replicate that in an afternoon's work is is very encouraging. And I've perhaps undersold us. I was kind of anticipating a 2-0, 3-0 sort of routine to Aloha. But it seemed sort of the polar opposite of that Aloha game in that first half I didn't think we were actually all that great. And yet second half, we got off to that fantastic start and then it's just a late flurry of, of great goals. So very pleased. Absolutely. And now, of course, we won't be playing in the Championship this weekend as we obviously have the Scottish Cup final and Dunfermline host Dundee. Oh, no, sorry, they actually go away to Dundee at Dens. And it means that now, regardless of the result, we will still be on top, which is absolutely massive for us. Of course, and listen, it, the league the league should take care of itself. So it's kind of nice that we've got this breakaway and we've got the opportunity to challenge ourselves against the perceived best team in the country, as they have been for the past nine years, won 11 straight domestic honours. So this is... I don't want to say it's our first real test because obviously the Hibs game some might argue was a test. Obviously there'll be some jambos that don't pay a blind eye to Hibs and that's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's this was the perfect morale boost heading into a tricky test and now it's up to us to see whether we can pass said test with flying colours or even just a straight pass. I'll happily take either. Just on that point you made there, with the way the weekend went, 
in your eyes, is that the league now? Four points is it is insurmountable. We should now never drop off first, or do you think there is still a chance for Dunfermline to overturn that four point gap and potentially knock us off the top? Listen, four points is nothing. I think, I think it'd be very disrespectful to say that the league's over. But that being said, it's nice to see us gaining some league momentum and. With regards to top spot and losing top spot, I'd be very disappointed if we came off top from here on in, is all I'm going to say. I I don't think it's fair on the pars or anybody else to say that the league's over, but it would be very disappointing should we find ourselves slipping down that table, is what I will say. Final point on that game, just I hinted at it right at the start. Um, Andy Irvin was given man of the match, for his performance, he was his usual absolutely flawless self. He played a ball to Ginelli in about the 70th minute that was almost identical to his assist for Walker against Morton, and it was just like incredible. Him on that hand and pitch should be fantastic. However, I just wanted to ask you, did you feel that he was man of the match? Because personally, I had two players ahead of him. Um... Possibly not, but I can see why he was given it. Um, I think your your two are maybe the two that coincidentally miss sitters. Would I be right in saying that? They are. I think Ollie yeah. Lee, with two assists, was pretty excellent. It was one of his best performances for us this season, I felt. But for me, the man of the match with two goals and two assists was Liam Boyce. I just thought he was excellent. I know he had that big miss, but if he'd, if he'd scored that, he would have got a 10. For me, he got a 9.5. No, I mean, listen, I'm I'm not going to disagree. I, I'd, I'd go along with that. The the only bugbear that we have with those two is, like you say, the misses. Um, Ollie Lee's an interesting one. I feel as though it's a case of when he plays, we play. And I, I seem to find myself saying this for Naismith or folk of that ilk, but I feel like Ollie Lee at his best, is of real use to us. But when he's not, and with his kind of, I don't want to say parading around the pitch, because he doesn't, but he just, it's not its not like he's a workhorse, and it's as though when he can't be arsed, we'd, we'd be as well just being a man down. I don't know whether mm-hmm. you'd go along with that as well, or... Definitely, I think, I think it doesn't help that he's very very slow no of course not so when it when he isn't playing well it's kind of more obvious because say for example I'll just take Janelli. see even if Janelli has a bad game his type of play is that he's constantly running up a channel so 9 times out of 10 something could go wrong for him but every time he does it it looks exciting and it looks like he's trying to do it whereas Ollie Lee just in the nature of both his position and his pace. When he's not having a good game, it is so obvious. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, mate. And it's, do you know, I feel as though a part of it's maybe trying to find that that perfect position from because he's not he's not a defensive midfielder and he shouldn't be in front of the back four. But equally, I don't feel as though he's a kind of shadow striker or kind of. 
a number 10 as such. I feel as though it's got to be a slap bang middle of the park and that's it seems to be it seems to be for me that will be a 4-2-3-1 or and that he'd either have to be in front of the back four or as part of the trio and behind your Liam Boyce or Craig White and it's trying to find that position for him I, I think. I mean I'm in this league, that's fine. I'm I'm happy to see him as one of the the duo in front of the back four, but I don't I don't know for future sake what the script will be with Ollie Lee. Well, Personally. speaking about players and going about contracts and next feature, just before we go on to the preview of this weekend, which will take up the majority of the show, we want to slightly just quickly touch on contract news and incomings and potential outgoings Robbie Nielsen has made it very clear in the press that he wants to bring in people in January, he says that he's looking for another fast winger as you hinted at and another striker for his words was when Liam Boyce is on international duty we literally only have Craig White in and it's never great to only have one option in a position also that has led to discussion about the arguably the two best players of the season the full backs Michael Smith and Stephen Kingsley First of all, Stephen Kingsley, just signed, he's arrived, many people have said that he's the best left back since Takis Fisas. Michael Smith on the other hand, now in his fourth year, ageing a bit as well, the wrong side of 30, however both have just been almost flawless, they've been excellent, Michael Smith's been doing it for the past four years, Stephen Kingsley's just come and hit the ground running, and I think a lot of Hearts fans much like they were with Andy Irving, we're saying we need to get them signed up. The Stephen Kingsley one seems to have started well. Both player and manager have said that they're in um, very happy with the way the contract talks are going. However, almost surprisingly for me, is the fact that Michael Smith, before the Queen's game, was very, very positive about the contract talks, saying that at his age, he wants to be assured football and that he is assured football here. He's enjoyed his time here and that he'd be happy to spend a couple more years here. I just wanted to ask you, were you surprised about that from Smith, just in terms of he probably can get a lot more money down south, he should be playing at a higher level in the championship, and his family did buy a house um, in Bristol last year, his wife is from down south, and you'd imagine that the AG is, he's just had another um, child, he might be moving back down south, but how happy were you to hear that he at least sounds interested to staying on. No, absolutely buzzing. I mean, Michael Smith is just one of my total favourites. Um, I, do you know what's funny? I think I am surprised. I thought when Michael O'Neill got the Stoke job and when Stoke were kind of in need of that rebuild that sort of hasn't really happened that way, I'd have thought that Michael Smith going down to Stoke would have been an absolute nap. I feel as though he's more than capable. I know the Championship's a perceived tricky league, but they they could certainly do a lot worse than a Northern Ireland international right back who, as we've both, I mean we've we've both ran out of superlatives for Michael Smith, and as have the majority of the fan base, and he really does put a foot wrong. I am surprised that nobody's come in. I don't know whether age is a factor, I don't know whether he's not exactly the tallest, so maybe that's part of their thinking I don't know, it just, it seems to me as though we're really lucky to have him, so 
I was absolutely delighted to hear that he'd, he'd stay and it's no real surprise. I mean, Hearts are... How do, how do I say this without sounding too cheesy? Hearts are an easy club to fall in love with and Edinburgh is a great place to live. I know you've obviously touched on buying a house down south, but why not? I mean, everybody that comes up, I think, is surprised by how big Hearts are just how nice Edinburgh is and how, or rather, the backing that Hearts received from their fans even at the darkest times. Absolutely. And then on Stephen Kingsley, Robbie himself said that he is looking for stability in his career. He, he as well has just had his first child move back up to be closer to his family after spending so many years down south. How important is it for you that we secure him on a multi-year deal? Massive. Absolutely massive. I feel as though that will be as big a signing as we could make in January, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Left back, with the exception of Aaron Hickey, has been a, a problem position for a number of years. And it appears to me as though we're getting... It's as though we're polishing up a diamond, really. He, he was kind of discarded and... I don't want to say in football wilderness because he obviously wasn't with Swansea and Hull, two decent clubs down there, but I think he's surprised by how much he's enjoying his time at Hearts and obviously having had the Premier League experience that he's had, trying to convince him to the Scottish Championship might not have been a great career move in hindsight, but really it should be a year in this league and then we're essentially back in the top tier and should be vying for, in my opinion anyway, should be vying for for continental qualification. So whether he sees that as a potential avenue whilst he's here, I think that's probably a, a big factor as to why he joined Hearts in the first place. And obviously things are going well, so naturally he's going to want to stay and see that through. I think it's a it's a no brainer for both parties, to be honest. I could not agree more. And just finally, as you mentioned, their continental football. There's a player currently in Scotland from the continent that seems to be attracting a hell of a lot of attention, not just because of his family and who he is the son of. However, Thomas Robert came to Airdrie at the start of the season and it was very well documented that he had apparently turned down moves from down south. Arguably, clubs the size of Everton also had turned down clubs in his native France, all to sign for Airdrie in League One. And I think a lot of people laughed at that and thought, all right, mate, we've heard all that before. But then he is coming to the Scottish game and is absolutely ripping it up in League One. And that has made bigger clubs, according to the Evening News, such as Hearts, Rangers, Celtic and Hibs and clubs down south, basically the big four in Scotland and nameless clubs down south, looking at him. Now, Newcastle are my English team, if I have an English team, and his dad is obviously Laurent Robert, who is a Newcastle legend. He famously scored an absolute raker of a free kick in a 4-3 win against Man United that made him just go down in folklore. If his son is anything like his dad, I would welcome him to Tincastle, especially as he's a young, fast, pacey winger. Do you know, it seems, I, I was discussing this with my dad, um, it seems like it's a relatively risk-free signing for us. Obviously, you've touched on the old firm links. Hearts now, obviously, I think are one of the latest clubs to register an interest, but 
I couldn't help but laugh with my dad because obviously he came through the Montpellier Academy mm-hmm. and rather than sign a long-term deal with Montpellier, you know, secure his future regardless of what happens, he's opted to <laughs> play first-team football alongside Dale Carrick and the like at Airdrie. <laughs> I just, I, I could not get my head around that. Um, but like I say, I mean, it's it does seem relatively risk-free for us he's he's still young i mean he's he's younger than my little sister he's he's 20 mm-hmm. years old so <sighs> previously i'd looked at craig levine's signings like craig whiten and jake mulraney and judged them as kind of project players in that they arrive relatively reputation free we give them a platform to perform if they do make a profit as they move on you know we're a sort of perceived stepping stone club League One up to the championship for the time being isn't that big a stretch, and I would I I just wouldn't be against this signing at all. Really, we we obviously need somebody that can play on the flanks. He seems perfectly capable on on either flank. I mean, I haven't seen a lot. I've just seen a couple clips of him on a view from the terrace and whatever. But he does seem to be attracting a lot of attention. Obviously, when he first signed for Airdrie as well, it did seem like a coup to everyone, and it's obviously proven to pan out that way. Um, so, if you're asking me, would I like to sign him? I, I guess I would because I don't see, I don't see how it can be that big a, a loss for us. To be honest, it seems as though it's, it's a bit similar to Sunday. Seems a, a kind of free hit. You also just reminded me he's currently playing with Dale Carrick, so Dale can have a word with him and get him to come to Tynecastle. Exactly, I'm, I, I, I don't know. Ian Murray is not still the Airdrie gaffer, is he? Because there was also oh, Colin, Colin Cameron was also uh, was also assistant for a time, was he not? Yes, he was. I'm going to check right now. Apologies if you can hear typing, um, as I am literally just checking. According to Wikipedia, Ian Murray is still in charge. But I he is. He is yeah, still in but charge. I but I don't know. So Airdrie with Colin Cameron as his assistant. So Colin so, Cameron can also tell Cam- him that it's exactly. Um I feel as though there was another Hearts player, ex-Hearts player at Airdrie. Is Zanata though there? No, he's at no, Air. No, he's at Air. Oh, it's uh, yeah. Alistair Roy that never broke through. He's there oh, as well. Oh, shit. He might put him the other way. Just put him, never <laughs> play young players. So, but no, certainly there's, there's a couple Hearts links. So, it doesn't seem, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it'd be risk-free. It's not one that everybody would leap at the chance for us to sign, but certainly he's, he's gaining traction and we'd be a much better stepping stone than either of the old firm. And because of the league that we're in at present, I don't know whether it would be... I, can, I, I mean, I've no idea what his deal is. I'm assuming it's short-term. Mm-hmm. But even if it was like a pre-contract thing or I don't know whether we could give somebody an exchange or even just a, a minimal fee, but... I, I wouldn't be against it, mate. I don't, I don't see any flaws within the signing, let's just say that. Well, we will now move on to the main aspect of this show. I know we've been going for 45 minutes, but this is a longer show, because obviously it is, for God's sake. This Sunday, Heart of Midlothian Football Club will be competing in the Scottish Cup 1920 final against Celtic Football Club and first of all 
How are you feeling about it? Before we go into depth and pick our team and how we feel it's going to go, generally, how do you feel about it? It's very similar to the Hibs game that I saved this to you because no fans, no pre-match stuff. Can you go? Can you go and see your mates? It's going to be a very different final to ones that we've all experienced. But generally, how are you feeling? Um, When we recorded the podcast last week, I'd have felt a lot better than now. Um, I know that Thursday night's victory for Celtic over Lille was meaningless, but I thought they looked decent. And obviously their routine win over Kelly on Sunday, it, it seems as though they're finding form at the wrong time for us. So I don't want to say quietly confident because I'm not, but maybe not as nervous or I'm more nervous now than I was but still not absolutely terrified given we've seen what they're capable of both good and bad this season do you you get where I'm coming from absolutely and of course like we've discussed I mean we are we are entering as underdogs got absolutely nothing to lose nobody's backing us so it's for me it's almost like it's a case of que sera sera to be honest I, th- I do think that is probably the most sensible approach to take. It's definitely the approach I'm taking. Um, we spoke in the review of the semi-final against Hibs. That was the cup final for me. That was the most important game. We couldn't lose that one. And this game was just, as you say, a complete free hit. Yeah, because ultimately we were coming up against Celtic or Aberdeen who are, by by a large stretch at present, better football teams than us. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, listen, don't get me wrong. It's it's bizarre. It's I mean, it's the week before Christmas and we're going to be competing in a Scottish Cup final. So that's, that's wrong. You've said that no fans, again, just wrong. So, I mean, it, it's like... It's like we've got kind of a consolation if we get beat because we weren't expected to win it and... It would have been a rubbish year to win it anyway. That being said, if we pull it off, I know that there's been talk amongst the fans whether it's a great achievement or whatever. You can't ignore the fact that we'd have knocked out Rangers in the quarters, Hibs in the semis, and then beaten Celtic in the final. When will that ever happen again? For me. But I'm not I'm not going to say that that's you know, a given. It's, it's going to be tough. But we've just got to give it our best. And whatever will play out, will play out. It's so it's so interesting. It's so interesting because you look at the games that we have played this season and you have to think, especially a lot of people will say that we haven't been at the best in the league. We've had a lot of slip-ups and stuff like that. We've been knocked out domestically in the other cup by Aloha, a part-time team. We also lost to um, Dunfermline, who are looking to be our league rivals. So we're playing in a lower division. We've played countless games less than them, came back late. They're Celtic. This will be their quadruple treble if they do it. Yes, they're in a wee bit of a bad form, but bad form for Celtic is still Celtic. However, we have beaten Hibs 
at this ground in this competition when we were coming in here on less good form. As you say, Jamie, I do want to ask you the question. I think I've asked you this before on the podcast as well, but now that we're here, if we win, is this our best cup run ever? I don't mean the actual win itself, like on Sunday, but first game, you play Airdrieonians. Famously, a team that has a hoodoo over us, particularly in the 90s, just before we were born. We then play Falkirk, which is like, meh. But then, Rangers in the quarters, Hibs in the semis, Celtic in the final. Is that the best run we've ever had to win a trophy? In my brief life, yeah, it would be. I, I, I don't see... 2012 was obviously great as well, to be fair, with Celtic mm-hmm. in the semi. Because that was that was a game plan which we executed to perfection. And the introduction of Craig Beatty changed the game that day against Celtic. And then obviously blowing away Hibs in the final was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just can't, I can't see a world where arguably the club's biggest three rivals we've beaten. And, you know, how, how can that not be perceived to be a bigger achievement than knocking out the likes or beating the likes of Gretna and other Diddy jobbers in previous cup runs. I, I just... Struggling to beat Auchinleck Talbot in 2012. <laughs> so, no, even even the 2012 run. I mean, you look at St Mirren and St Johnston, I think we both drew it home to and then beat mm-hmm. away. That's that's not going to be bigger than Rangers, Hibs and Celtic. No way. I think... It's a, I have such I have such a weird feeling going into this game because I do totally view it as a free hit. See, even if we get absolutely dismantled, I'll be like, oh, that's a shame. We'd have been good to win. Right. Sod that, the leak. But if we win, it oh, I just can't even think of it. So we're gonna move on <laughs> to the teams. I just need to start speaking about someone else. I think personally the team picks itself apart from one position. Hmm. I'd be intrigued to gain your thoughts on said position. I feel as though one of the positions is in the middle of the park. Would I be right? You would not. Oh. On the flanks? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I would like to hear your reasoning. So basically, at a push, I think there's two positions that is up for debate. So I'll go through my team. Or actually, do you want to hear my team or do you want to hear the team I think Robbie will play? Um, Let's go with your team first and then what you think he'll go with. Right. If I was picking the team, I would go with Gordon, Smith, Kingsley, Halkett and Popescu. Good. That's, now, one, that's one thing we agree on. Now, the other position I was saying that could be up for debate is Popescu or Berra, because Berra has come in and, in fairness to him, done well. He had a very shaky moment at the weekend where a ball just went over the top of him, but that is exactly why I wouldn't play him, because Berra against Celtic's pace scares the shit out of me more than Popescu's bomb scareness. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think Edward in the final tore Berra a new one the last time, mm-hmm. so need only look at that again and yeah 
I could not agree more. Berra has been fantastic in recent matches. We've both sung his praises, but it's it, we cannot take that risk. And the, this is where the absence of John Suter is obviously a big blow. Because mm-hmm. Halkett and Suter are much more mobile than the other two, but Popescu is still way above Berra in terms of pace and genuine mobility. I mean, Berra... Berra be fant- will be fantastic to bring on if it's a case of needing to shut up shop, you know, like like a late impact sub. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no there's no way we can start him for me. So we're moving to the middle, and I want to go with the formation we've played the last two weeks or seven days, a four three three. I am going with a midfield three of Herring sitting in front of the back four and Irving and Lee in the middle. Interesting. No Andy Halliday. I would bring Andy Halliday on in the 70th minute to fuck shit up. <laughs> right, okay. I'm intrigued to hear where this is going on the flanks because I've got a I've got a rough idea of what I think you're going to go for. So, I would play Jamie Walker left wing or left mid if you want to go less attacking. And then the position that I think is hard is either Janelli or Naismith. Purely because, I think immediately you go, well, Janelli, big pitch, his pace, running at people. And that is why I'm picking Janelli. But I also think you need Naismith on that park at some point. I I would be very surprised if Stephen Naismith doesn't start, personally. Same, which is why I'm like, I don't know where to put him. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is where it's funny, because obviously... We're not paid to make these decisions. So whatever we say, this is just personal, you know, prerogative. However, Robbie's the one that... It feels like he's actually got a genuine selection headache for once. And when was the last time that we had that? Years ago. (laughs) So, I'm all for it. And then, obviously, finally, I would play Boyce up top. So I'd play 4-3-3, Gordon, Smith-Kingsley... How could Popescu, Herring, Irving Lee, Walker, Janelli, Boyce? What I think Robbie will play is Gordon and Goals, the back five the same, uh-huh. a two of Herring and Lee slash right. Halliday. Yeah, I think he'll opt for Halliday, but go on. Walker on the left, Janelli on the right. Naismith in the ten, Boyce up top. I think that's where we'll go with as well. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be against that. But no, Dan Finnis, I feel bad for Irving. Though. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. I, I would feel bad for Andy Irving having to drop out. But alternatively, if we're chasing the game, which you know is deemed more than likely, he's fantastic to bring on against mm-hmm. tired legs in in the midfield, and obviously to try and pick out a pass to create opportunities to cross back into the match. So, you know, I think with our current predicament in finding ourselves as underdogs, I think Haring and Halliday is the ideal partnership. Then you can bring on your Lees I'm and Irvings if things aren't going to plan. gets sent off, though. Listen, I'm sure that Robbie... You know... I was about to say, I'm sure that he'll take up the bulk of his team talk. I can remember the story that Jose Mourinho tells 
when he was in charge of Inter Milan and he spent half of his or 14 of his 15 minutes in a half time team talk telling Mario Balotelli don't get sent off I've got no other striker I can't sub you out I can't change you and then he goes and gets sent off in the 46th minute mm-hmm. Andy Halliday is is a brighter or more intelligent player than Mario Balotelli and I cannot I can't see a world where Halliday doesn't take that advice on board because there is nothing he would love more than to help Hearts beat Celtic in this final and I can I can think of a world yeah What's that? It's a world where Scott Brown is the person he's coming up against, and Brown is just nippy in his ear all game. It's one of those things that you've just got to shrug off. I mean, you you look at you look at Morelos's track record against the likes of Scott Brown. I'd feel a lot more concerned if we had Alfredo Morelos up front <laughs> to get sent off than Andy Halliday in the middle of the park. That's fair. So I I just feel as though Halliday will use his nut. I've got every faith. I just hope that he doesn't let me down, having just said that. Stay on the see park. If we co- see if we Nothing come daft. next Monday and we get beat 1-0 because Andy Halliday gave away a penalty and got sent off. I'm holding you oh personally responsible. Don't even, mate. Honestly, I've, I've got the fear. I've, I've got the genuine fear that it'll be a last gasp affair. And that would be the worst case scenario. Yeah. I'd rather get beat 10-0. I'd rather get humped than have a last-minute winner against us. 100%. I um, I got a few messages from people on the back of last week's podcast so thank you to everyone who messaged in um, one of which I just want to kind of get your thoughts on these comments so we made a point about how Lee Griffiths is absolutely guaranteed to get the winning goal in a 90th minute smash and grab however Hearts though who is a very popular Twitter account um, messaged me going we overlooked something you and I did yeah uh huh who out of the entire Celtic team have we bad mouthed the most? Scott Brown? Nope. Have we bad mouthed in this Celtic team? Yeah. Last week as well. Last week? Who did we sleep last week? So, Hearts though messaged me going, what you boys completely forgot to think about is a 90th minute Shane Duffy winner. Oh my god, from a set piece. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, that is the fear. Oh, Because no. I called them the worst signing in the history of Scottish football. How did I forget that? Oh, dear. Oh, that is the fear. He's actually looked not too bad in the last few games as well. I, think I was about to say, he literally did it against Kilmarnock. And he scored against Kelly. Oh, no. Oh, so no. This, that's this, oh, one this is the This is the type of game where he just turns up, isn't it? It def- it's either the type of game that he'll have a Maldini-esque performance, yeah. statutory, gets the winner, Stonewall at the back, or he's Shane Duffy and he falls over, which allows Liam Boyce to go in and score the winner. I beg it's the latter. <laughs> and then we also got other mentions. Um, someone messaged me, uh, I, I don't actually know if you listen to this, Richard Cobb, uh, he's a music reviewer, but he's also a Hearts fan. He said that he has never been this confident going to a cup final since Gretna. Um, right. Uh, well, <laughs> what, what I would say to that is um, I was having a little nosy earlier on and Sky Better offering 9-2 for Hearts to lift the trophy. So, wow. what about slap 100 on that? 550 <clears throat> back. Not a, bad, not a bad afternoon's work. And obviously, 
Listen, it, I, I swear, if we win, it'll be absolute bedlam. Whereas if we get beat, it's just one of them we shrug off. I don't. We have absolutely nothing to lose, mm-hmm. which sort of makes it scary as well. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what. I'd, I don't know what I'd rather, because Gretna. We were overwhelming favourites, but I was too young. I mean, I, I I was at obviously the final, and it was great. I I remember the scenes after full time. That's about it. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think I could cope with that sort of pressure now. Us being genuine overwhelming favourites, even Hibs. I was thirteen, about to turn fourteen, and it. I I mean, I I was confident. Because Hibs were absolutely rank rotten, but again, I think it gets worse as you get older. But, mm-hmm. but this if this genuinely feels as though it, that we've got nothing to lose, and I don't know whether I'm excited, whether I'm terrified, whether I'm just scared. I don't know whether I'm going to sleep beforehand the night before. I don't know what to think. It doesn't feel as though it's real, but it feels like. I've got every right to be absolutely bricking myself. It's uh, the range of emotions is bonkers. <laughs> is it just me, or are you feeling any of this? I, I'm the exact same. It's it's just I think you summed it up perfectly when you said it was. It's just weird. It's a weird feeling because the head semi final, like two weeks before it, I was thinking about it, getting panicky. When I was going to bed, that's when my brain would just start thinking about it. I've at night, I've not been thinking about it. Throughout the day, I've not been thinking about it. I only think about it when it gets mentioned. But now that we're getting closer and closer to it, I, d- I honestly, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> However, what what would your team be? We've went through mine. We've went through what we think Robbie will play. What would you play? Um, I'd, I'd keep that same back five. Totally agree mm-hmm. regarding Pesco over Berra. Um, like I say, I, I just feel as though... I feel as though he will pick Haring and Halliday and I'm not against that whatsoever because I'd be happy to introduce your Lees, your Irvings, whoever if if need be. Um and and obviously Craig Whiten, I mean he could he could come off the bench. Obviously we saw his heroics against Hibbs and could easily partner somebody up there if we're if we're needing to chase the game. But I'd go I'd go four two three one. Back five, as I say Exactly the same. Uh, Halliday Haring, oh, and this is this is where it gets tricky. I'd probably go Walker on the left. I just feel as though you've got to start Naismith because of what he brings. Mm-hmm. I go Walker Naismith and Janelli. I know it's it might be a gamble, but I I just think it's a nap that he'll start. I think we've been building up for this, and whilst it was great that he got his Queen's cameo, that was all it was there to do, was essentially to be the platform for him to perform in the final and Boyce up front. I'd also be happy with that. I think it is weird that I'd be happy with pretty much any selection, unless it's like Eddie White left-back, Berra, Ewan Henderson right mid and stuff like that unless it's something mental our strongest team and the kind of variation of three that we've just mentioned I'd be happy with any of them the only reason I didn't have Naismith in that starting 11 is that one he doesn't really play in the system in a 4-3-3 unless it's quite attacking and you have a 10 but 
I just thought of that Hibs game and how he changed the game when he came on, and he's a very good impact sub. Yeah, again, it's, it's understandable, but I just I just can't see a world in which we don't have the two across the back four. I I think it's I mm-hmm. think it's an absolute given that we'll go four two three one personally, but. I think that's what I was saying. I think Robbie will go four two three one, and I think he'd be smart to do it as well because basically all this season, even against Hibs, which I was quite surprised at, teams have sat in. That's not going to happen on Sunday. No. We we'll be the ones doing the sitting probably. Maybe that's why he doesn't. He might not start Irving because Irving is better going forward and he's not as good defensively. Yeah, I I think Lee and Irving are you know they're good enough to be involved but they're not good enough defensively to start is would be my thing it's, it's definitely listen it is a weird situation for Hartman Lothian to be in a lower division but having a selection headache of too many informed good players <laughs> who'd have anticipated that because I certainly wouldn't have I know however I just I just I know every Hearts fan is feeling the exact same just now. I know every Hearts fan is going, listen, we're going to get beat. It's great that Neil Lennon is still in charge. It's great that they're coming into this in overall not great form. I know the last two games they are coming into it in good form. But overall, they've won 4-13. and That's shocking form for Celtic. They're having fan protests. They want Lennon gone. This is the best time ever to play Celtic. And I'm still scared. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, but it's still terrifying. Um, you know, obviously I do my, my who scored previews and I'd anticipated that Celtic would beat Kelly 2-0. I got that bang on. Mm-hmm. And I, I I also anticipated a couple inclusions in the starting lineup. Um, my My worry is these these finals... Whenever there's been a great player in Scotland, it seems as though a young player is kind of born in a big moment. And Celtic-wise, David Turnbull's just crept into their 11. That's, that's, he is the main fear I had. I've, all these weeks, I've been seeing him not get used, not get used, not get used, and I've been so happy. Yeah. And in the past week, he's been used and been class. I mean, I, I, I've backed him basically ever since I saw him demolish us in the Youth Cup final and then kind of kept tabs on him breaking through at Motherwell and obviously ha- had that fantastic season before his injury and now is obviously eventually signed for them. I-, I think he's a fantastic talent and I think this final, as much as it's great that I've talked us up and whatever, it seems as though this has the potential to be the real birth of David Turnbull at Celtic and I beg that that is not the case because I am I th- I think I think he's a great player and I I think he's one that we should be be fearful of arguably more so than your Lee Griffiths I think if Odson Edward can be arsed obviously he's the main threat but I'd certainly rank David Turnbull a close second personally. I wanted to ask you that actually just before we finish up I wanted to kind of speak to you about the inclusion of certain Celtic players because a lot of the talk has been about their goalkeeping situation. Obviously, it will be even heightened as the goalkeeper they let go is going to be facing up against them 
in the cup final in the form of Craig Gordon, who we got for free. They signed Barkas for £6 million, and he has been, to be polite, not great. Um, they have a young keeper, who I can't remember his name, who's come in a wee bit. Connor Hazard. Is the, yes, is Connor the Hazard. I don't think they'll play him in a Scottish Cup final. So it probably is going to be Scott Bain. He obviously played against Aberdeen in the semi-final. There's players like that. Scott Bain's going to be in there. Do you feel that that gives us a better... Would you rather have Scott Bain or Barkas? I I would rather have Barkas against us, to be honest. I don't Mm -hmm. see... I mean, if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be hoping that they kept the receipt. Put it that way. (laughs) I think he is absolutely rotten. Um, I don't think Scott Bain's that bad a keeper. I know he gets a lot of stick, but I don't think he's that bad. And yeah, do you know I I I get the feeling though that they, he might go with that boy Hazard because obviously I, I have I have to well I have to predict the lineups as well for these fixtures, and I had him in goal and I don't know I, I maybe certainly. Well, that- Certainly, I, I think, sorry to cut you off there, I certainly no, think right. he's a better potential option than the other two at present. So, why not? That's fair, that is a fair point. It's very similar to what we did last season, kind of, against this lot in the same fixture where we just chucked Aaron Hickey in and he was fantastic. And you're Ryan Edwards as well. I mean, Ryan Edwards, the the derby that we drew one all, where yeah. Uchi equalised, I thought he was excellent. Mm-hmm. And then it it just it just goes to show that a wee run up of games coming into a final, you know, it, it's amazing how players change their alter. They sort of back themselves to kind of nail down a starting spot, and I I don't see why it would be any different for the keeper. To be honest, well, as you've just said, you predict the lineups. That is perfectly leading on the next question. Do you think Scott Brown will play? Oh. I noticed their fans raving about about the boy, is it Sorrow, in the middle of the park? Yes. But Scott Brown's your leader, your captain. I think he probably I would. Hope yeah. Scott, I hope Scott Brown plays. <laughs> How often have we said that? True, if but ever at all, it is like this season. He's just been shocking, and I do get that argument that you're making, where it's like in the biggest games you need your biggest players, and historically for Celtic, he has obviously been the biggest of big players. But this season, if you have him, I know it's not really the same position. I know that they won't really be marking each other, but in a battle between Herring and Brown, I'm back in Herring every day of the week. No, of course, and do you know it's funny? I think Neil Lennon's comments almost suggest as though Scott Brown will play. It seems to me as though he's given off the kind of vibe that the team that got Celtic there will play, which would be mm-hmm. great news for us if you're if the likes of David Turnbull and Co are left out. But if Scott Brown starts, yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why not? Why not? Then then our chances are arguably increased that little bit. I've wanted to touch on something else with you as well. Um Anthony Brown sent out a really a really good tweet uh, just after the, the Queen of the South game. 
saying that, not that it's particularly relevant, but this is the first time Hearts will go into a cup final on the back of a victory since 1998. No victories from matches immediately prior to 2013 League Cup final and 2006, 12 and 19 Scottish Cup finals. It's crazy. You, you almost have to say that is a crazy statistic because you'd assume that a team going into a cup final would be in decent form. Yeah, but then I, I was just thinking of 2012. I think our last Premiership game was against Celtic their trophy day and I think did we not get smashed 5-0 with Hooper scoring I think it was all was it all five yeah potentially it was at least four of them so yeah but certainly I mean no disrespect but a win over Queen of the South doesn't fill me with a sense of a sense of I don't want to say optimism because I am semi-optimistic in that We've got nothing to lose, like I keep saying. But a win against Queen of the South isn't making me go. This is it. We're gonna we're gonna smash Celtic. You know we're good. Now's our time. All this shenanigans. It's it's great that we've got that wee morale boost. But ultimately, Celtic and Queen of the South are polar opposites. Well, another kind of wee stat like that. Hart and Midlothian won their nineteenth trophy on the 19th of May 2012 in terms of cup competitions we could win our 20th trophy on the 20th in the year 2020 Jesus I mean that's that's quite something I mean you talk about tempting fate that's uh, that's remarkable I, I really hope that that comes to fruition of course but it's just just one of those things I guess it's, it's, it's funny all these wee kind of Statistics. I remember doing an article in the run-up to the 19 Cup final for Not the Old Firm, who I was working for at the time, and it seemed to me as though there was kind of a a plethora of sort of London-based stats regarding it as well. Like, obviously, the same day that we smashed Hibs 5-1, Chelsea won the Champions League, and there was Tottenham competing in a Champions League. And it's funny, these kind of wee quirks that you take from it, but... Ultimately, it'll mean Jack if we get absolutely smashed. <laughs> yeah. And finally, just before we finish up, we have to do it. What is your score prediction? Oh, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask me this. Of course. Has to. <laughs> oh, no. Um, do I go with my heart or my head? I'll go with my heart. I will say it shall finish Hart Midlothian 2 Celtic 1 oh he's went for it he's bloody went for it why not why what's yours 3-1 Celtic oh come on mate you can't sell a shot like that can I just say that was the prediction I gave for the Hibs game as well hey See what you're doing there. Aye. I've just, I've just, rea- I've just realised that Celtic. I mean, I know it's obviously at hand, but Celtic are listed as the supposed home team. So, mm-hmm. Celtic one, Heart and Midlothian two. <laughs> just to be sure, just to be sure. No confusion. Just to clarify, <laughs> don't well, any confusion. Absolutely not. So that is all from us ahead of the biggest game of the season, the biggest game of the year. The biggest game since the last time we played them in this competition. However, we hope you have enjoyed. 
we have and haven't, as it's just kind of been us talking about how nervous and worried we are. Oh. But, exactly. Thank you very much for listening, as I just said. We are Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials at Perth to Paisley. We're also on YouTube with the exact same name. You can get our podcast on all good podcast sources. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. It massively, massively helps us out. Adam, where can people get you personally on Twitter? People can get me personally on Twitter and all the socials at Adam T. Kendall. And you? I am at MacIver the Mark. Listen, it's a free hit. We're in a lower division. The league's what's important. But it would be amazing. Hee-haw to lose. Come on, hearts! <laughs>